and gentlemen, we are back on the Big D. With me, as always, the Turk to my JD, Sleaze. The Sleaze is here to answer all your questions today, including the ever-popular, why are there pancakes in the silverware drawer? The real question is, why is there silverware in the pancake drawer? <laughs> all right, thank you for that one, Sleaze. Okay, we've got a good show for you today. Uh, first, we're going to start off. We're actually going to talk about the NBA All-Star Game here. Uh, well, uh, go on, you know, please. B- before you get started, I just want to let you know, a, a, a good friend of mine, Bill Crosby, said this line, and it makes a lot of sense about what we're going to discuss today. A word to the wise ain't necessary. It's the stupid ones that need the advice. And I deal with the stupid ones every time I go on air. So I anyway. need the advice! You need the advice, my friend. Okay, so we're going to start with the All-Star game here. Uh, and obviously we're going to go with the biggest, the biggest story there. A little bit of Bryant-Wade action. Now, uh, for those of you who didn't watch the All-Star game, and hey, I don't always blame you. It's the NBA All-Star game. Dwayne Wade broke Kobe Bryant's nose. Let me say that again. He broke Kobe Bryant's nose with a hard foul. So, you know, a game that's usually known for the kind of defense the French put up against invading German armies, uh, involved Dwayne Wade breaking another man's nose. And let me tell you something. I like it for two reasons. Go ahead, please ask me why. Why do you like it, Big D? One, I like in a game like this, I like a little a little Pete Rose, Ray Fossey action. I like a guy playing hard. Because why the hell not? You're there, go for it. Two... And we're used to guys hardly playing. Exactly. Uh, and reason number two... Anytime something bad happens to Kobe Bryant, it just warms the, the the inner being of the big dick. Can't stand him, never have, never will. Love it. Yeah, it's, it was an interesting game, uh, you know, and, and, and the NBA All-Star game. It's no secret. It's knock is they don't play defense. And I get it. It's a chance, you know, no one really gets into the All-Star game because they're an amazing lockdown defender. Like, that guy's pure intangible. Let me see him jump stop. Yeah, no one goes watching the NBA All-Star game to see stuff like that. So you have guys on the court that are just phenomenal athletes and tremendous basketball players that are looking to show off what they can do. And offensively, there was a lot of showing off, Big D. The West All-Stars ended up beating the East All-Stars in Orlando at an East court, 152 to 149. That's, I mean, that's just, that says it all. That says everything you need to know about defense in the All-Star game, uh, Dwayne Wade notwithstanding. Yeah, you know, a lot of points were a record 301 total points. This is a new record. And that's not why we found it an interesting game. You, like you said, and kind of the action that took place after that apart foul made it so interesting. There were 90 points combined in the second quarter. The second quarter... That's uh, 12 minutes of basketball, nine points. Generally speaking, yes. Now, Kevin Durant ends up getting the MVP. Deservedly so, 36 points, just played cool, calm, collected all game, right? Seven players had more than 20 points. Seven. The side note about Kobe Bryant, I know you said you didn't like him. He did pass Jordan for most points all time in a career for the All-Star game. Do you care about that? I'd care, I suppose, more if I didn't also dislike Jordan. And I know in basketball it's blasphemous. It's Jordan. Don't care. Don't buy it. Dude's a jerk. Kobe's a joke. Don't care. 
yeah, the it, two it, best players of all time, and I find myself not giving less than a damn. I mean, I could, I could absolutely not care less about those two guys. Yeah, and that they, 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 they've had a lot of, you know, been you know, knocked off their issues. Uh, Jordan loves golf, so he and I kind of had that connection. His jumps are a little better than mine. My swing might be better than his. Just to be determined. We're not playing until next year's uh, Pro-Am at Pebble Beach. That should be a good time. He doesn't know me yet. Um, but we'll be celebrity by then because we're getting a lot of Twitter followers. It's happening. Anyway, back to the NBA All-Star game. So Wade has a hard foul on Kobe. Breaks his nose, a little bit of a yep. blood bath. They clean it up. What happened after that? It became a game, Big D. It became a game, and that was what was exciting. They, guys started developing into roles because they had to win. And say all you want about LeBron James. LeBron James, the competitor that he is, wanted to win. And finally, somebody matched the intensity and desire that Kobe Bryant planned that All-Star game with. He wants to be the, the All-Star MVP every year. He said it. Someone finally matched it, and they took the game. It was a battle. It was, it's hard, again, hard to play defense. There's no such thing as health defense in an all-star game because you just can't get there fast enough even if you try it, which they don't. But the game came down to the wire. East was down two. LeBron has the ball, the great pass to LeBron, and he throws, has a season court, throws his cross-court, cross-body pass that gets picked off by Blake Griffin. The only thing Blake Griffin can do other than dunk. But he picks up the pass at the right time. The West wins the game. Exciting stuff. Exciting, exciting stuff. A lot of fun to watch. The only awkward part was when David Stern, the commish of the league, gives Kevin Durant the All-Star trophy. Did you look at Kevin Durant's face? Nobody likes him. It's because of him, they feel. It's because of him that the season shortened and they're not getting what they wanted. It was a really uncomfortable scene watching David Stern try to interact with the players. I wouldn't have had to do that. Make the president from Kia, who's sponsored, give him that job. You kind of stop the facade that David Stern and the players get along. They don't. You know, it's kind of fun. It's always sort of entertaining to see people doing things like that. It's like, you know, people talk about back in the day, uh, when the Raiders won the Super Bowl uh, the first time, and you know the commissioner has to come down and hand the Super Bowl trophy t- to Al Davis, and you know this is this is back when the you know the Raiders were the renegades, when Al Davis was you know a, a, an outlaw lunatic running an outlaw program, and yeah, the commissioner's got to sit there and pretend to be happy for a guy he hates, and it's always right. entertaining, it's always awkward, uh, and it's it's one of the best things about situations like this. And I'll tell you, all-star games generally aren't all that fun. Period. Well, you know, this one was a lot of fun. This one actually mattered. And, you know, the all-star games, people don't watch them. They don't care. The Pro Bowl was awful. Oh, always. This, this one mattered. This one was exciting. Really exciting. And I, I, it was fun to watch. Just like another all-star game that matters... And that's Major League Baseball's All-Star Game. That's right. That matters. Winner gets home field in the World Series. Do you think that game should matter? Absolutely not. And here's why. I'll tell you what. Who starts in the All-Star Game? Who are your starting players in Major League Baseball's All-Star Game? The guys the fans voted in. The best players, or in some circumstances, obviously the most popular, uh, or the player from the biggest market. But generally speaking... It's the best player, and that's what goes. 
who plays your seventh, your eighth, and your ninth innings. Your backups that were picked by the manager to fill out your roster. A lot of times, these are guys from your small market clubs who don't have the talent but are required to have an all-star game representative. So now, in the ninth inning, you could theoretically have a pitcher from the Orioles in a life-or-death situation against a hitter from the Astros deciding who's going to get home field advantage in October. The only thing I can guarantee about those two teams in October is they're either going to be golfing or somewhere grabbing a cool one and watching other guys play baseball. Why should a guy on a team that does not matter, on a team that will not make it, why should he decide home field advantage? Well, I understand kind of where you're coming from, but I do completely and utterly disagree. And here's why. Like you said, the Astros, the Orioles, guys from the Pirates, the Cubbies, the Athletics, the Nationals, they don't get to play games that matter. This is the only game they get to play that matters. And frankly, it's bad baseball. It's bad baseball. It, it's just not fun. And honestly, well, well, yeah, they, they, in life or death situations, the home team in the, all, in, the, in the World Series only wins 58% of the time. That's a small difference. I, it, it, it's not, honestly, it just wouldn't be fun baseball without it. The game should matter. They're all athletes. Are they equal caliber? No, but they're all professional baseball players. And honestly, I don't think I'd watch it if it didn't matter in regards to who's on field in the whole in the World Series. Okay, well, what you're saying here, you're, you're talking about, you know, uh, it's the only game that these guys get to play in on the big stage. This isn't Little League, okay? I am it's not okay. sitting. No. You can say it. I'm right. You're not right. This isn't Little League. This isn't everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to bat. This is Major League Baseball. The best of the best of the best should determine what happens in the All-Star game. Listen, I'm sorry, in the World Series. Listen, you want to to rotate things? Okay, fine. How about last year's winner? The American League wins, they get the the World Series next year. How about you just alternate? American League, National League, American League, National League. I don't care if you pick it out of a hat. Just do not let teams... And players from teams that do not matter determine what happens in the World Series. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's irresponsible. And you know what? It's part of a series of bad decisions by Bud Selig, the man who shouldn't have even been commissioner. He was still owning a team when he became commissioner. This is ridiculous. And you know what will always be the absolute legacy of Bud Selig? Not this one matters. Not the tie in the All-Star game steroids. That is going to be this man's lasting impression. This is a man who sat there with his thumb up his ass while Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa mysteriously hit 60 and 70 home runs. This is a man who just sat there while Barry Bonds' head size grew 10 inches in his 30s. This is a man who figured, hey, it's bringing in money, let the guys inject, who cares? This is a guy who just sat down and watched, and what does it lead to? It leads to the whole Ryan Braun debacle. Yeah. But, you know, there's the argument that the McGuire-Sosa race quasi-saved baseball. Not to the hardcore fans, but to the casual fan. It brought them back. It was fun to watch. Is it easy to believe now that some of those people were cheating? Absolutely. Does it throw a dark cloud over it? Absolutely. But doesn't America and, it, and our society love the dark cloud? 
I suppose you could say it does, but I'll, I tell you, I don't care. Yes, you could argue that, that maybe baseball wouldn't be uh, as even close to as, bi- as big as it currently is without those players. But you know what? These are guys who would have still hit big home runs. So, yes, they didn't have quite the drama. You want to you increase home runs. You want to increase the game and the scoring and get people to watch. I don't care. You wind the ball tighter. Bring the fences in. Don't sit there and turn your back while players inject themselves with drugs. And now you have Ryan Braun. You know, the man, listen, I don't care what the verdict said, the man did it. He's innocent the way O.J. is innocent. If the Everybody knows O.J. did it. You must have quit. Yeah, well, unfortunately, there's no rhyme for if if the guy taking the piss test holds the, the uh, sample overnight. But the fact of the matter is, that's what it was. Could the guy have tainted the sample? Yes. It's a distinct possibility that somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, Brian Braun offended this man personally, and he just said, you know what, screw you, I'm tainting it. What most likely happened, he made a mistake. He thought, now that, that what they have to do is they take the sample, they have to get it to FedEx or UPS or whoever it is that handles it as soon as they can. He thought that company was done taking shipments for the day. He'd followed what everybody else does in that situation. He took it home, kept it refrigerated, sent it out the next day. Problem is, he could have sent it the first day. He didn't. As far as I've, I've, I can tell from what I've read, that seems to be the technicality that got Ryan Braun off. And i got to say, I don't think that's a good enough reason to, to acquit. I don't, I don't buy that as a, as a, as a reason uh, to why he got off. What, what, you know, and the thing that I want to hear, because I'm kind of one of those guys that's in the rearview mirror. It is what it is. You know, it's not like it's not like it's my job as a sports talk radio show host to talk about what happened. So I'm going to focus on going forward. And I want to know, just explain to me, Ryan. Explain to me the twenty to one test. Explain to me how then that happened. Cut the crap. Step in front of a camera. I listen, buddy. If you, Ryan, I'm talking to you directly. If you're having a hard time getting cameras to follow you around, even I can help. Get in front of them and explain. That's all we want to know. Listen, we want you back. We're, 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 you're going to sell tickets. You're going to sell jerseys. You're still Milwaukee's hero, especially after the vegan prince is gone. But just address it. If you don't address it, you're hiding and you're running scared. And. Society, America loves to boo the sissy that runs scared. Well, let me tell you something else we've learned about American society uh, through all of this. Now, uh, Ryan Braun is Jewish. Does that matter? No, no. it absolutely does not. Does society seem to think it matters? Uh, yes. Now, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Andrew Torshuk, a big uh, baseball fan, this, this uh, is for him. He's the one who brought all this to my attention. He went through and was retweeting uh, a lot of pe- comments people made about Ryan Braun. I got to give Padre credit. The guy is relentless, relentless with his field research. He's amazing. A, de- a definite attribute to us, you know, as as baseball fans, just because he makes the game so much more interesting, and we get to, we can spend less time doing the research. He does it for us. The man's amazing. Padre, shout out to you, buddy. Thanks for everything. Absolutely, and you know what? I'll, I'll tell you, he's uh, he's an interesting guy. Hopefully, we'll have him on the show at some point soon. Padre, work on it. Okay, now, some of the things he's, he's tweeted here. Now, I want to point out, I absolutely in no way uh, endorse this. Uh, neither does Padre, neither does the Sleaze. These are things other people have said on Twitter uh, that we're just reading out here. 
Okay. Well, we're promoting we're promoting social media, so it's a part of hey, you can if you follow us on Twitter, you can read some of these. So we're just gonna we're just gonna read them out loud to you. Okay, so here we go. Uh, tweet number one: Braun is still a cheating Jew. Tweet number two: I don't care what anybody says. Ryan Braun will forever be known as the juicing Jew. Tweet number three. I believe Ryan Braun won his appeal because he's a Jew. Incidentally, in that one, because is written B-C-U-Z. Take whatever you want out of that. Flacco, loco, you're an idiot. Tweet number four. Congrats, Ryan Braun. You're still a Jew. And the absolute, absolute worst here from a guy named Nick Topoli. I don't even know how to pronounce that name. Either way, it's a stupid name. Uh, Ryan Braun, you got away with it. Congrats. Today, Hitler was a little closer to right than wrong. Hashtag... Come on, man. Hashtag preferential treatment. And I want to know, at what point in this guy's feeble little brain does he think Ryan Braun getting off on a technicality means Hitler is right? This is some of the most ignorant crap I've ever seen. And we've seen a little bit of of, of racism with Jeremy Lin. And people laugh and they say, oh, well, it's funny. It's harmless. There's nothing harmless about this. This is the most screwed up, ignorant shit I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's frustrating because it's it's sports, man. And and I listen, I love it. I I, I live, eat, breathe sports. But that's that's all it is. In the grand scheme of life, it it's just sports. It's an avenue and vehicle for us to express some some emotion and get excited. These folks who, you know, I I'm not even going to mention their names. These it, it, it they are disrespectful most importantly to themselves. They're disrespectful to the players they mentioned, in this case Ryan Braun, and they're disrespectful to the other fanatics because the fans are nameless. The true fanatics don't have a jersey. We don't have a nameplate. We don't have a locker. All we have is a united voice. And when these fans abuse that privilege by saying things like this, it's disrespectful to your fellow fan. Think it. I'm not going to change or want to change how anyone feels or thinks. But shut up, man. Don't talk about it that way. Don't be disrespectful. If you think the guy cheated, the guy cheated. Call him out for cheating. His race, religion, has nothing to do and is in no way, shape, or form indicative to a guy potentially cheating at a sport. Yeah, I mean, I, you, I couldn't have said it better. And it's, it's, it's absolutely disgusting. Now, uh, we're going to talk a little bit later in the show uh, about how Twitter can be used for, you know, for positive. Uh, so before we do that, though, we're going we're gonna to cut things off here. We've talked a little bit uh, longer than we planned here for the first half. A little all-star game, a little Ryan Braun. Uh, we're going to listen to a little music. You know, I'd say commercial break, but hey, we don't have the sponsors. We're working on it. Nike, Adidas, get on that. Uh, so we're going to do a little bit of musical interlude here. Uh, we're going to come right back, and the sleeves is going to run you through our new favorite, the second half sprint. Uh, so remember, you're listening to the big. You're listening to Big D in the sleeves. Remember, go big or stay sleazy. Absolutely, wonderful talking. We'll be right back.
Don't let the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy Suburban style and sleaze. What time is it now? All right, baby. It's time for eight topics in eight minutes. Tie the spikes, stretch the hammies, turn up the volume. It's the second half sprint. And on your mark, get set, go. First topic, Bobby Valentine, new manager of the Boston Red Sox, had some comments to make poking the fire to Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. Pretty quick, Big D. I got to love it. I'll tell you, I love Bobby Valentine when he was the Mets manager. I love everything about this guy. He's smart. He's entertaining. I think he's a pretty good manager. And you know what? You're the Red Sox manager. They're the Yankees. This is what you do. You know, he talked about how Veritech did the right thing by fighting A-Rod. He criticized Jeter. He got all the licks in. I love it. Yeah, it, 
I, I, I respect the guy. Listen, Bobby Valentine's never been known to be placid or reserved. You know, he goes out there, he gets it. He's in your face. He's letting you know what he thinks from day one. You know, uh, I certainly hope he shows up for his first press conference with glasses, a fake schnoz, and a mustache, Sean. It'd be pretty entertaining, even for me, being a fan of the Pennsylvania team. So, all right, next topic little NASCAR. Had a little Daytona 500 this weekend. Eventually. Didn't happen Friday, Sunday at 12 like it was supposed to. But hey, no worries. We got lights at Daytona this year. We'll go at 7 when the rain dries. The rain didn't dry. Gets pushed off to Monday. A lot of fun. A lot of stuff going on. I want to, since it's a sprint, I want to talk about one topic, and that's Brad Keselowski. That's right. Keselowski. Good Italian boy. Get wall in the red flag in his car. He's tweeting. He's tweeting Big D in his car. Absolutely. Now, he started off before the race with a tweet. It just said, and you got to love this guy. He goes, we ready! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Picture of the car. You know, a couple hours, you know, a couple hours later, he tweets, fire, my view. And he has his picture, you know. And then for the next, I guess it was two hours of delay, he's taking comments. You know, at one point, somebody asks, what battery life he has left on his phone. He responds a couple minutes later, 28%. You know, it started at 60 or so, down to 28. And NASCAR, they loved it. You know, they're letting the man keep his phone in the car. They're letting him tweet. I said before we get into the positives of Twitter, Sleaze, what are you thinking about this? Well, I got one thought on it. Um, I know it was, you know, it's, it's an ep- epidemic kind of, of, of young people, even all, all drivers are texting while they're driving. Now, I text while I drive. I'm a culprit. I'll admit it. But, see, I'm successful at it, and I'm just a regular driver. He's a professional driver, and homeboy can only do it while parked sitting still. Just saying, I'm pretty special. Moving on, little college football. Missouri and Texas A&M pay the Big 12 $12.4 million each to leave and head to the SEC. Sure glad I pay full boat of tuition at those schools. Well, you know, you got to wonder why anyone would willingly join the SEC. All you're really doing is vying for second place to the Tide. That's what's going to happen. Now, I understand you want, on a serious note, I understand you want to go to a big money conference. And who's more big money right now than the SEC? I can't remember the last time they haven't won the national title. I really can't remember. You've had family. Six years, exactly. We've had Bama, you've had LSU, you've had Florida, you've had Auburn. The SEC dominates. If you think you didn't keep up, hell, why not? Yeah, it's good for, huh? Let, yeah, let's. Yeah, that that makes sense. Hey, you know the line: if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Not only was the SEC not broke, it was perfect. You didn't need to add anybody. Texas A&M and Missouri, they want to play with the big boys. They can't even touch the big boys. They're Girl Scouts. They should be pushing Thin Mints. Let's I go like to the thin, I like Thin Mints. Who doesn't? I got them in the freezer for when a girl comes over. No, I'm just kidding. I still don't like the Thin Mints. All right, yeah, Danielle's Ram- going to kill you for that one. Rams exec state, states that he is willing to deal the number two pick. We are two months from the draft, and he says, Yo, everybody, I'm willing to trade it. Your thoughts? Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. You know, I'll tell you, I'm a big fact. I'm a big uh, nerd, big fan of numbers, and I think everybody knows that by now. If you didn't, hey, I'm Big D. I'm a nerd. Statistics show the number one pick is not 
any more likely to last in the NFL as a starting player than the number 10 or 11 pick. He's no more likely. So listen, if you've got the number one, the number two, and you don't have a guy in the draft that's an absolute game changer, and I don't think there is, trade down. You save yourself a lot of money. You get a guy who's going to be just as productive for much less, and you get prospects. Brilliant. You used to save money, new collective bargaining agreement. You don't have to pay so much for the number two. So I'm, so I still think it's okay. But here's my question: There's three clear front runners: Washington, Miami, and Cleveland. And when I said question, I meant point because I'm not even going to let you respond. So Miami, Washington, Cleveland potentially out there. Don't sleep on the New York Jets making the move for Robert Griffin III. Think about it. Speaking of Jets, Plaxico Burris, Plax. Makes a, issues a statement saying, yeah, I want to play with Mike Vick and play for the Philadelphia Eagles. He makes a statement, Big D, dare I say, Plax dreams of playing for that team. You know, I think he does. And I, I think, I'll tell you what, though, uh, the Eagles will be shooting themselves in the foot if they bring Burris in at this point. Yes, better he than had the league. Better than the league. Always better than the league. Yes, Burris had over 600 yards and eight touchdowns. Not horrible for a guy who just got out of prison, but what is he? He's another aging veteran with baggage. They have to spend a decent amount of money on because you know Burris won't sell himself cheap. You're the Eagles, no deal. Well, yeah. Is he going to be that expensive? That's my question. I don't think he will be that expensive. Uh, he won a Super Bowl. Uh, Philly would like certainly like one of those. Um, they he's over. Up, right? he, he's over five eleven. Uh, Philly would certainly like one of those. Um, he's a red zone option. Certainly, Philly would use one of those. I don't know. I'm saying, hey, Mike Vick, Plaxico Burst, that's a lot of jail time. Could it be a lot of touchdowns? That remains to be seen. So, we're still with the NFL. Let's talk a little NFL Combine. NFL Combine's going on right now. A lot of people really seem to care. Frankly, it's awful how many grown men watch the Combine on their computer while at work. It's worse than the NCAA basketball tournament. Well, at least in the NCAA tournament, if you're going to be watching that, it's an actual game. The Combine is just an 18-year-old... I'm sorry. Wow. Getting a little ahead of ourselves here. A little behind, if you will, maybe. Uh, The Combine is basically a 21, 22-year-old kid working out. It's got its place. You want to look at what these guys can do. You want to look at how fast, how agile, how strong they are. I get it. It shouldn't be the only reason you draft. And you know what the combine is best used for? Fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. Get a steal, yes. get a workout warrior, make them a project. Combine's great for that. Yes. People do put way too much into it. Yeah, there's a lot. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think many of the top ten picks work out at all at the combine. They don't do any of the drills. They wait for their pro day with their guys. So I'm with you. I think the, I think the combine's great for the later rounds. But honestly, why does a defensive lineman have to run a 40-yard dash? Homeboy won't have to dash 40 yards collectively all game. You eat up space and cheeseburgers. You don't run the 40. It shouldn't be allowed in. It's terrible. I can't stand it. Let's move on. I don't want to talk about it. Let's talk about the NHL trade deadline. What is there to report on that? Absolutely nothing. Uh, I'll tell you, the, the biggest news is that there is no big news. Uh, in, out of the East, you look at your two biggest teams here. Uh, the Bruins just picked up basically, you know, guys you could put on the bench and occasionally get some minutes. They picked up Brian Ralston for a second stint with the team. They picked up 
uh, Motto. They picked up a couple, you know, players, but nothing big. The Rangers traded Wojtek Volski for prospects, and in the biggest story of the trade deadline, did not bring in Rick Nash, who had asked for a trade. Uh, but that, that was, was the storyline. That was the story that everyone followed. Nothing happened. I, I guess most of these teams think they're best off staying pat. Yeah, you know, however, there was there was one acquisition uh, that that kind of went under the that kind of went under the radar, and the Philadelphia Flyers actually acquired Kim Kardashian's body double to play goal for the Philadelphia Flyers for the remainder of the season. Here's why: bigger ass than Ilya. Yep. Less estrogen than Ilya. Probably. And can catch everything. So. Could be a good addition between the pipes. I'm anxious to see how it works out. Let's transition now. A little college basketball. No, no, conference tournaments haven't happened yet. So the NCAA tournament hasn't happened yet. But we're still talking college basketball. Division three. That's right, Division three basketball. We're going to go up north a little bit to good old Scranton, Pennsylvania. I'm a little biased. It's okay. Call me. Yeah. Do I wear purple and white to bed? Of course I do. University of Scranton Royals men's basketball program under head coach Carl Danzig. The guy's got to get some props. Big D, he has won. He has won five conference championships out of the last seven. Out of the last seven. And if he could have hit a couple free throws down the stretch, it would have been six out of seven two years ago when Merchant Marine eked out the win. Five conference championships in seven years? That's impressive. It's true. It's even more impressive now. Uh, coach Danzig... Uh Obviously, we've gotten to know him pretty well over the years. We we managed under the man, uh, so we've we've seen him up close. He's a very intense, uh, very fiery individual. Uh, never boring moment. Is actually now only one game away from getting his 200th career win. So that'll be a big milestone. Could he get it this Friday in the first round of the NCAA Division Three tournament against Messiah in Wayne, New Jersey, at William Patterson? I certainly hope he does because it'd be a real pain to lose that game this this uh, this weekend and then have to chase that 200th victory for eight months. What remains to be seen? We'll see what happens. Thank everybody for listening. Had a great day. Follow us, Big Dean the Sleaze at Twitter, Big Dean the Sleaze at gmail.com, Big Dean the Sleaze at our blogspot.com. We want some followers. We want to make it fun for everyone. Tweet us your thoughts this week. We'll respond to you. Best ones, make it on the air. Absolutely. So remember, just to recap here, BigDInTheSleeves at gmail.com, BigDSleeves on Twitter, BigDInTheSleeves.blogspot.com. Any one of those three is acceptable. Get us on there. We'll respond, especially me. Listen, I don't work all that much. I don't have much of a social life. I'll get back to you. And as always, thanks for listening. This is Big D in the Sleeves. Remember, you go big or get sleazy. That's the spirit. We'll see you all next week. Peace out.